Hello, my name is Giovanni and this is Social Medicine, my weekly therapy session wherein we delve deep into the issues that are on my mind. This week I want to revisit a topic my old roommate and I touched upon on a previous iteration of the podcast. A discussion of video games can take many shapes and forms, and I plan on touching on a few of these different directions in this very episode. Video games are now the biggest entertainment media in the world, bigger than movies and music combined, which is a lot of considering that not long ago, playing video games was a mark of a true nerd, and the reason in of itself to get bullied. Now everyone is playing video games, the bullies and the bullied alike. There's a reason for this. Video games as an art form are an amalgam of every other art form on earth. The production of a video game requires artists, designers, writers, programmers, directors, composers, actors, and more in order to create a finished product. The diversity in video games ensures that there is something for everyone. People who are looking for immaculate stories that rival stories told through cinema need to look no further than cinematic masterpieces such as The Last of Us, God of War, and Mass Effect. Those wanting something they can use to de-stress have games like Animal Crossing, Stardew Valley, and Minecraft. Anyone who's looking for intense levels of action has stuff like popular multiplayer shooters such as Call of Duty and Halo, but also single-player offerings such as the Yakuza series. Want to challenge yourself mentally? Play something tactical or strategic such as XCOM, Fire Emblem, or a puzzle game like Tetris or Catherine. I can go on and on, but I'm sure you get my point. There's something for everyone, and the level of interactivity that only video games provide ensures a, a new sense of immersion found in no other medium of entertainment. Because this will be a very dense episode, I'm going to be laying out the outline for this episode. Shortly, I'll be sharing my personal story with video games and making some recommendations of games I've either played recently and loved, or games I played a long time ago but which I love too much to not recommend. Then I'm going to be discussing the exciting time we're living in with the introduction of a new generation of video game consoles later this year. After that, I will touch on some of the less desirable but equally important aspects of video games and gamer culture. The rampant instances of sexual abuse and assault taking place in professional video game tournament scenes and the normalization of it within the larger fandom. I love video games more than anything on earth, but my passion does not blind me of all the shittiness that has been allowed to fester for far too long within gamer culture. In fact, it's this very passion that pushes me to talk about this issue. I hope to do a good job covering everything I intend to cover and that you all finish this episode both more informed and curious about the industry. I started playing video games at a very early age. Some of my earliest earliest memories consist of me playing games like WWE Smackdown Shut Your Mouth, uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and Vice City, um, Star Wars Battlefront 2, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, Spider-Man, and a number of Spongebob and Nickelodeon themed games on my brother's PlayStation 2, which very quickly became my PlayStation 2 as his interest shifted to other things while mine stayed on video games. The games I play or I listed as well as a bunch of jam-packed demo discs I owned were mostly what I played at home. I say at home because I also had the privilege of playing Nintendo's classic GameCube games whenever I went to my best friend Jason's house throughout elementary school, which was at least three out of the five days after school. Because of Jason, I got to play the likes of Super Mario Sunshine, Super Smash Bros. Melee, Kirby Air Ride, Mario Parties 4 and 7, and many, many more games. It was after Jason introduced me to Nintendo that I was made aware of the Nintendo DS and Nintendo Wii after they came out, and after my parents gifted me both, I was able to play Nintendo games at home. It was the Nintendo DS that would provide me with some of my happiest video game memories from my childhood. That era of Nintendo was truly amazing. The normalization of video games through the mainstream approach and marketing of the DS and Wii was beautiful, and it felt that like everyone of my friends at the very least had a DS. And one summer in Mexico that's particularly uh, memorable is me and seven of my cousins got to play Mario card DS with a single copy of the game through DS download play. Remember that? All of us cooped up in my grandma's living room playing Mario Kart was the closest I've ever gotten to being a part of a LAN party. 
And doing so with family really highlighted the evolution of my history with video games from being something I played by myself and then with Jason and then with my cousin. The next evolutionary step, as some of you may know, was online multiplayer, which I would first experience on an Xbox 360 with Halo Reach. I was late to the 360 party getting it in 2013, mainly because of my newfound allegiance to Nintendo, specifically their handheld consoles, with the DS and 3DS being my main video game platforms for years. Getting to play with dozens of, of people from all over the world over the internet was a amazing to me, especially considering that online connectivity is something that Nintendo consoles were and continue to be lacking in. But only a year later would I upgrade to an Xbox One. The Xbox era, as I will affectionately call it, was another time of enlightenment for me, where I would play, or mainly play cartoon slash movie tie-ins and Nintendo published games during my PS2 and Nintendo eras. Respectively, I finally got to experience the beauty of teen and mature rated games that weren't as polygonal as the PS2 GTA games. And as much as I love violence and multiplayer shooters, the most important development was my discovery of cinematic video games that told powerful stories that rivaled the best stories told through film. And of course, there had to be something that would take me back to my handheld Nintendo video game days and Nintendo Switch was it. That was a very brief and hyper-condensed retelling of my journey as a lover of video games. It doesn't capture everything that I discovered and fell in love with, nor does it cover every single highlight in my journey, but I think I covered the most important stuff. And more importantly, I wanted to drive the point that video games, no matter how much they evolved as I aged, no matter how different they were from console to console, era to era, remained the only constant in my life. As I covered in the episode I did over relationships, Jason and I stopped talking as we went off to different middle schools and felt like I jumped from friend to friend every grade after that. My brother was never really there for me in a brotherly sense, but my sister, up until she got to be a little a little around my age now, uh, would take me places. She would take me to the mall, she would take me trick-or-treating, she would take me to the movies, uh, another love of mine that was beginning to develop back then. It was when she reached college and when her relationship with who is now her husband began to be more serious that she grew out of hanging out with her little brother. Growing up was a bitch, but at least I had video games to look forward to playing. I lived through these characters and I began to develop a wild imagination, which would help me create stories in my head that I would play out in the living room alone. Sometimes I would use my toys, sometimes I would imagine myself in them. My imagination went rampant during this time. A sense of creativity fueled equally from playing video games and from my loneliness. That sense of creativity is something else I lost along the way, something I've been trying to rekindle in my adult years. But enough about me, now it's time to celebrate others' creativity. My number one recommendation also happens to be my favorite video game of all time, which is Super Mario World. It is a beautiful 16-bit 2D platformer and the peak of 2D Mario games. It's a vibrant game, beautiful to this day, with some of the best platforming levels I've played in any video game. It's a fast, fluid platformer that would it could be thought of as a precursor to all the beloved uh, fast-paced indie platformers we see today, such as Super Meat Boy and Celeste. Each world was unique in its design, and each level brought with it a ton of secrets to explore, such as secret endings and collectibles. Also, it introduced us to Yoshi, which is one of my favorite fictional characters, and up there in terms of design as well. Mainly, it's fun. The funnest game I've personally ever played, and something I find myself going back to regularly. I don't know if I did a good job selling it, but yeah, Super Mario World is a game I think everybody needs to play before they die. It's available, originally it came out on the Super Nintendo, but then it was ported to the Game Boy Advance along with Mario Brothers, the original arcade game, which is the version that I played. Um, but then it's also available on, you know, the Wii Virtual Console, the uh, new 3DS uh, eShop, as well as through Nintendo Switch Online uh, on the Nintendo Switch. Now, making other recommendations is going to be really hard for me. I just can't recommend a game without knowing what type of 
game someone is interested in. Are they looking for action, strategy, racing, maybe a fighting or role-playing game? I have a lot of recommendations, but only a handful that I would make universally. Like Super Mario World, I view these games as essentials for anyone who is thinking about getting into video games or who already is into them but needs more recommendations. Unlike Super Mario World, these are modern games. The short list of games comes from games that have come out in the 2010s for two reasons. One, just like there are people who can't get into old black and white films, I know that there are people that can get into old sprite-based or early 3D games. And two, these are the games I grew up playing and still play. I have and do on occasion find myself playing retro games, but I'd be lying if I said the majority of the games in my collection were modern games. Okay, enough stalling. Here are the other four games on my list of five games I recommend everyone plays before they die. If they give a shit about video games, that is. Now, I'm already cheating with this first entry as it is actually three games in one, but there is a reason for that. This trilogy of games follows a single galactic scale storyline with one of, if not the best written cast of supporting characters. I am of course talking about the Mass Effect trilogy. When all is said and done, I think that this might be my favorite video game series of all time. It really is the perfect game series for me, and here's why it might be for you too. It's a story-driven, character-focused series set in space with character customization, relationship building, and RPG elements that complement the wartime narrative of impossible odds and its cover-based third-person shooting gameplay very well. Each one of these games is so intertwined with the others, such a part of a larger narrative that it would simply not make sense to list one of these games over the others, but each of them do have distinct strengths and weaknesses, so it is easy to choose a favorite. Like most Mass Effect fans, mine is Mass Effect 2. It just really is the Empire Strikes Back of the Mass Effect series. I'm here to persuade you all to play these games, so I won't talk about the weaknesses of these games. Instead, tell you about what each game in the series does best. Trust me, the weaknesses are not enough to detract from this masterpiece of a series. Mass Effect 1 is the best role-playing game in the series, with a more expansive level-up system and more nuanced dialogue choices. It also has the benefit of being the first and doing such an impeccable job of world building. Mass Effect 2 is to me the most interesting story as well as the game with the greatest relationship building and characters. Uh, Mass Effect 3 I think is the best at setting tone, particularly that of dread and hopelessness, so much so that this is still to this day the only video game to give me nightmares, plural, and it's not even a horror game. It also is bundled with a pretty well thought out wave based multiplayer that is still one of my favorite multiplayer components in any video game. But that's enough about Mass Effect. Next up is a game that I would say makes the case for video games as cinema, more than any other game I've played, including its sequel. The Last of Us is not as good a game as it is a movie. It is one of the best stories ever told in video game form, with one of the most average combat systems. Yes, how it plays is serviceable, nothing to write about here, but that goes to show how good I think the story is. The pacing, character development, world building, writing are top notch, with performances that rival the best that Hollywood has to offer. This game will make you cry within the first 30 minute sets of promise, so please play it. Next up is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm just going to keep this very short and simple. This game is fan service done right. Over 70 freaking characters in one game from a number of video game series both inside and outside of Nintendo, including a character owned by Microsoft, one of their main competitors. It's a true celebration of video games like no other and for that reason alone, I would include it in my list of essentials, not to mention how fun it is. I'm going to finish off this list with a game I've spent hundreds of hours playing with my friends and one that I have been quoted as saying is the perfect video game. I think no other video game in recent memory comes close to achieving the level of pure fun that Minecraft reaches. A focus on fun that can only be matched by games of yesteryear before they could be considered cinematic masterpieces or gambling addictions. Minecraft is the sandbox game of our generation. 
You have the options to play this game however you want. As an example, I'll go down to numerous ways my friends and I have played Minecraft. We always played on survival, as we've always appreciated starting from nothing and working our way up. We've started a countless number of worlds this way, and we always focus on building a town with each of us focusing uh, individually on building their own home. We have also taken a stab at the in-game objective, such as defeating the Ender Dragon, but also have taken creative spins to it, such as creating our own Dungeons & Dragons-style adventure with each of us filling a specific class archetype, such as archer, mage, warrior, and using the in-game level up system to indicate how our characters grow and become more powerful, such as enchanting and un unlocking the ability to upgrade armor and using next or new weapons. The best thing of all, Minecraft is a perfect game to play when wanting to relax, more so than any other game I've ever played, including the likes of Animal Crossing, which I have so many personal problems and annoyances in how the game plays that can be easily fixed by quality of life improvements that have yet to be addressed by Nintendo, but I digress. The influence of Minecraft is also immeasurable, with stuff like Terraria and Ark being heavily influenced by it, but whose influence reaches mainstream games such as the introduction of crafting systems in games like Animal Crossing, New Horizons, uh, Fortnite, and Fallout 4. I should note that this isn't my exhaustive list of essential games or of my favorite games of all time. There are many more games I would recommend and many more games that I would host in my top games of all time list, but I think these five or seven games provide a nice variety in what video games can provide as an entertainment medium. Now that I've provided you with a list of recommendations, I'm going to be shifting the conversation towards the current excitement and anticipation in the industry over the introduction of a new generation of video game consoles from both Microsoft and Sony this upcoming holiday season. A new generation of consoles is always an exciting time, but we currently find ourselves in a dawn of what could probably con be considered the most important generation for both of these companies. For one, it is no secret that Sony won the last generation, with the PS4 sales numbers more than doubling Xbox One lifetime sales, over 110 million to Xbox's estimated 50 million units sold. So Microsoft is poised to do everything in its power to redeem itself for this console generation and attempting to close an attempt to cl close the gap a difficult task considering playstation's huge install base of course one of the biggest criticisms hurled towards the xbox one is its lack of exclusives both in terms of quality and quantity. On Xbox One, you have games such as Sunset Overdrive, Halo 5, Gears of War 4 and 5, State of Decay 2, Sea of Thieves, the Forza games, most of which have been generally well received by both critics and fans alike. Like, not amazing, you know, but people think they're pretty good and the ones I played, I would consider to be pretty good. But then on the PlayStation 4, you have games such as Bloodborne, Uncharted 4, Horizon Zero Dawn, Spider-Man, God of War, The Last of Us Part 2, and Ghost of Tsushima, among so many others, which have all have at the very least received the same amount of love from critics or fans as Xbox exclusives. At least, but most often are universally praised and generally seen as superior games to Xbox exclusives. Sony also has the opportunity to further the divide, so both of these companies seem to be poised to deliver the goods this upcoming generation. But as excited as I am about video games, and as much as I love playing and talking about them, one cannot ignore the shitty aspects of any given fandom we find ourselves a part of. Now as I said, I'll be shifting gears towards a more serious discussion of the misogyny and sexual harassment that takes place in video game communities both online and in person, with specific attention placed on fighting game communities. Again, I'll be discussing issues of sexual harassment and assault, so think of this as your trigger warning for those of you who do not wish to listen to these discussions at this time for any reason. First off, I want to say that misogyny and sexual violence towards women has become normalized in gamer culture. One needs only to play a couple of rounds of your favorite online game with team chat enabled. So of course it would be virtually impossible for me to go over every instance of this just as it is impossible to go over every instance of this outside of gaming communities. But I want to highlight a few incidents to bring attention to this disgusting behavior.
behavior, both from the perpetrators and those who defend them. First, we're going to look at a New York Times article from 2012 by Amy O'Leary titled, In Virtual Play, Sexual Harassment is All Too Real. The first example she brings light to is that of professional Tekken uh, player excuse me, Miranda Bacosdi, who was repeatedly harassed by her team's coach, Eris Bakhtanians, who, quote, interrogated her on camera about her bra size, said, take off your shirt, and focused the team's webcam on her chest, feet, and legs, as well as leaning over her shoulder while she was playing and smelling her. For Pekosdi, the last straw was when she found out her coach had said this on stream. Um, I mean, this is the fighting game community. You can't. You can't because they're one and the same thing. This is a community that's uh, like, you know, 15 or 20 years old, and the, the sexual harassment is part of a culture. And if you remove that from the fighting game community, it's not the fighting game community, it's StarCraft. Which she would later apologize for by tweeting this. I understand that I said some controversial statements on the Cross Assault show, and a lot of people are deeply offended with what was said. When I made these statements, I was very heated as I felt that the culture of a scene I have been a part of for over 15 years was being threatened. I unfortunately use extreme examples in the heat of the moment and feel that my statements don't actually communicate how I feel. This is similar to what people say when they get into an argument with their girlfriend and they say things that they deeply regret. I sincerely apologize if I have offended anyone. My Statements do not reflect those of Capcom or myself. The last thing I want to do is get them in trouble for giving me and the fighting game community the opportunity to have an amazing show like this. What I was trying to communicate is that mild hostility has always been a defining characteristic of the fighting game scene. Back when arcades were more prevalent, people didn't like newcomers and players needed to fight and pay their dues to get respect. The debate I was in was with a person who supported professional leagues who have intent to censor the community to make it more accessible. I think the sink or swim mentality is something that defined our culture and if that succeeds it removes something which has been important to help create some of the best fighting game players of our time i was unfortunately unable to make this point clearly again i am deeply sorry for offending anyone this was a combination of the people taking things out of context and my own inability in the heat of the moment to defend myself and a community i've loved for over 15 years um for me uh it's very obvious to find the disingenuous apologies when people claim that the shit that they said or did wasn't indicative of of their personal views like shut the fuck up you idiot of course the statements you made reflect your feelings what kind of illogical sense nonsense is that you see the same thing from racists who are recorded calling someone racial slurs talking about i'm not racist i don't have a racist bone in my body shut the fuck up fuck these people and fuck the idiots who defend their half-assed apologies oh they made a mistake but your mistake is writing the previous year on your schoolwork after new year's we as adults are equipped with critical thinking skills that help prevent us from saying dumb shit even when we find ourselves quote-unquote heated we have the ability to think before we speak and to then retract any and all mistakes quote-unquote mistakes we have let out of our mouths like immediately after not after the internet obliterates you for being a huge literal piece of shit for more current cases i will focus on two professional super smash brothers characters or i'm sorry uh players who were outed as being degenerate pieces of shit first off is nairo who was a high profile member of energy esports and regarded as one of the top five greatest smash four players. It was revealed by another professional Smash player named Captain Zack that Nairo and himself engaged in sexual acts when Nairo was 20 and Zack was 15 during a stay at a hotel during a tournament. The evidence provided includes screenshots of a text chat log between Zack and an unnamed friend of his. 
wherein Zach would give him a play-by-play highlight of his time with Nairo during the weekend, which includes a vivid description of 15-year-old Zach performing fellatio on a 20-year-old Nairo on multiple occasions, as well as the attempts from Nairo and his brother to keep Zach quiet about the situation by bribing him with thousands of dollars. Yeah, arguments can't be made for Zach being a piece of shit as well, as he was the one making advances and accepting the bribes, but Nairo was the adult. You know how easy it is to use those same critical thinking skills that I mentioned earlier that we are all equipped with to say, this is a minor. I should not have sexual relations with them because it is both legally and morally reprehensible. And if the moral argument wasn't enough, Nairo could have concluded that as a public figure, no matter how much he bribes someone to keep quiet, this has the potential of being revealed down the line, ruining his life and his career as a professional gamer, which, although I understand it to be an incredibly arduous career path, more so than people give it credit, it still is something that most of us would kill to be a part of. The final example I will talk about has to do with someone I personally followed on YouTube. should probably have mentioned this earlier but other than smash brothers i am not really a huge fighting game fanatic but i still find myself casually watching clips and videos about fighting game pros because i find the gameplay and the general competitive spirit of the fighting game community to be intoxicating up there with watching a really good soccer or basketball game but i did find myself more often than not watching videos by zero arguably the greatest smash 4 player and one of the best for smash ultimate learning his story of overcoming all the odds to become who he was was inspiring to say the least i found his knowledge of the game to be a great source of learning for me as well and it is where i mainly learn how to play smash ultimate with some with some competence after not playing smash brothers since i would play melee and some of brawl with jason as a kid but recently a girl who goes by katie online due to her desire to remain anonymous understandably revealed her own screenshots of chat logs that would later be confirmed by zero himself to be true what these chats reveal are a manipulative relationship between a 19 to 20 year old zero and a starstruck 14 year old katie who summarized what is proven on the screenshots when directly addressing Zero. In her official statement, she says this. To remind you, this is what happened in our conversations. You called me kitty, kitten, honey, all mine, while flirting the entire time. You manipulated me. For example, you called me a pervert and made me believe it when in reality I was being goaded to say things by you. You also told me I was your secret, and so I couldn't tell anyone about our conversations. In streams, I would ask you to prove that it was really you sometimes. For example, uh, do Mario's side taunt after taking this guy's next stock, and you would, but you would never acknowledge me directly by name anywhere except Skype. The worst offense I can remember is that you asked me to masturbate with ice and take pictures. I lied when I told you I masturbated as you asked, and then and I declined sending you pictures. The worst part of this is that I did not take screenshots of this particular situation since I was so embarrassed by it. You wanted to make this activity a habit that every two weeks I would do what you say for a day. All of this after knowing that Katie was a 14-year-old high school freshman, which upon learning this, Zero himself commented on how young she was by saying, by calling her a baby and adorable. Of course, the social clout that people like Nairo and Zero have developed has led to people defending them to the extent that someone would would for a person they know personally. It's pathetic. These fucking nerds are so fucking stuck in their little bubble wherein their role models can do no wrong and even when said role model admits to engaging in pedophilic activities and asks that no one defend them, they still go out of their way to let this piece of filth know that they forgive them like they have any right to and that they shouldn't let a past mistake ruin their life. Even though, as I said countless times before, the choices we make that we later regret do not constitute a mistake. You made your choice, now live with it. Okay, 
I love video games. They're my favorite thing on this planet. I love playing them, thinking about them, writing about them, talking about them. I love that we live in a world where it is no longer niche or looked down upon to play video games, at least not to the extent uh, it used to be. And I love that video games are starting to be acknowledged as pieces of art of the same caliber as movies and music. It's something that I don't think I'll ever stop enjoying. It's more than a hobby for me. It's an opportunity to learn and explore my creativity, a chance for me to engage with others in a way that my social anxiety has not allowed me to do in person. They've given me the opportunity to explore and cope with my deepest, darkest thoughts and emotions in a therapeutic way that only social medicine and other conversations with equally engaged parties have been able to replicate. Video games have only done more good for me, but that is not the case for everyone. For some, video games are an avenue to harass or be harassed to let their deepest, darkest emotions and thoughts roam freely with no censorship. I've highlighted but a few examples of this. And that's not to say that these horrible people are running rampant in the community, but I would wager that they are more common than some of us would like to admit. Shitty people are going to be shitty people. It's not a single thing that makes them that way. That isn't my argument and never will be. I am simply stating that terrible people using video games as a means to enact their horrid behavior is a thing, and we should shun those people and continue to do so in perpetuity. Because like every other bad thing in the world, it will never end, but we can fight back. If anyone listening has ever played, has never played a video game, I implore you to do so, or at the very least, watch someone play. It's an experience like no other. If you end up trying out my recommendations, let me know what you thought of them. And lastly, remember to be good to yourself and one another. The world is full of ugliness, and it is much easier to be a good person, plus it's good for the soul. Anyway, that's going to be it for me for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show and appreciate the time and effort I put into researching, writing, recording, and editing it, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash socialmedicine. There's only one tier of a dollar a month, and that's for anyone who enjoys the show and wants to help build it. Fuck the misogynists, pedophiles, predators, racists, and general pieces of shit in the gaming community. Shout out to those who just enjoy playing or creating video games and aren't problematic. Thanks again for listening. Please stay safe and stay sane. Goodbye.